Hello and welcome to the WordPress Chick Podcast. Brought to you by the WPChick.com. WordPress explained for those of us who get headaches when we hear words like PHP and functions, but want to make money with their WordPress sites. No boring code snippets here. Just WordPress happiness made easy. Now, here's your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick. What's up, guys? I've got a treat for you today because I have another author on. This is starting to become a trend, I think, but I don't know why I didn't think about this sooner because I am a ridiculous fiend of books and reading and learning and all that good stuff Um, of books. That sounded kind of funny, huh? (laughs) Uh, But I've got a novelist on today, but the novel applies to your business. So you guys are going to love this. All the links are going to be in the show notes, Um, but I do have a special announcement. So stay tuned for the very end of the episode. Make sure to listen all the way to the end and you'll see how you can get a copy of the book for free. Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of the WordPress Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick. And you guys are in for a treat today. I am super excited because um, our guest, this is, I've not, I've not had a guest on from this genre, but yet um, it's going to totally help you. So I'm really excited. I know that's a little bit of a teaser, but our guest today is Brock Cannon. Brock, thank you so much for being here today. I'm honored to be on the show. Yeah, this is great. And and <laughs> that might have sounded like an odd introduction, but the um, Brock has written a novel about goal setting, and I just think it's phenomenal. But before we get into the book, um, I want to get a little bit of your backstory. So if you could fill the listeners into kind of what brought you here, what were you doing before you wrote the switchback approach, which by the way, everyone, all the links to the book, everything will be in the show notes. I'll start from when I was uh, an infant. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I was born in 19. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No. um, I mean, I guess uh, there's there's a lot of transformational points in my life, but I I think a lot of it really started when I got introduced to mountain bike racing. And I was about 15 years old, and my mom would take me up in the mornings very early in the local canyon, and she would run, and I would kind of ride my mountain bike, and I didn't even, I don't even think I wear a helmet. I just have like a bandana on and an old yellow Walkman. And I just kind of <laughs> fell in love with the sport. And uh, about a year later, I had a friend from high school kind of invite me out to a mountain bike race. And I totally got my butt kicked. I, I think I showed up in anything but spandex, you know, <laughs> like, they, like they wear in the Tour de France. I just had like cargo shorts on and a, a t-shirt and I, I did have a helmet for that. Yeah. But um, I remember looking at these two kind of lean and skinny kids next to me and I'm like, these guys look like wimps. I'm going to kick their butt. And then they blew right by me. And, and my, my first mountain bike race ever was, was a very humbling experience. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, you, you know, it's like, I think just, just that story and a lot of people will share like steps to getting to where they are. And we all have, we all have great stories and, but they're, struggles or challenges and I love that you went into this which I think that's probably the beauty of being a teenager so you're like I got this <laughs> um but yeah exactly. so all right so you got your butt kicked what happened what shifted after that well sometimes good butt kicking you want for me I just even though I sucked my first race I really enjoyed it and I wanted to get better and so uh, I trained all winter 
when most people were skiing and you know trying to stay inside in in Salt Lake City, I was I was outside riding my bike, which I think back now and I was I was kind of more insane then than I than I am now. And um, it ended up resulting in a very good next year. I I came in my sixteen year old year racing and and I I think I swept and won the first three races and then um, that kind of led me into racing at a and semi pro slash pro level depending on you know which which race series it was by the time I was about 18 and uh, it's, it's been really fun and fruitful since then. So that's your full-time gig. You are a mountain bike racer. No. <laughs> okay. I'm like, wow. That's no, really cool. <laughs> no, it, it's mountain bike racing and any of my, my buddies in the sport will tell you it, it's something you do for absolutely the love of it. Even, even the top people, uh, don't get paid that much. <laughs> so most of them have, most of us have D jobs or, or businesses or something like that. But, um, it's, it's all for the love. The real, the real money in cycling is on the road, but you've got to kind of be over in Europe and you've got to be on a top team really to maybe even make 50 grand a year. So we do it for the love, not the money, <laughs> which makes sense. And I mean, I, I guess at least to be able to make some money doing something you love that you can, I mean, that's not a bad, not a bad side effect to that. Um, God, that's great. So I was just thinking as you were telling that though, like training in the snow, I never even thought you could, I don't know. I think about cars and driving on road. So, I mean, you're mountain biking through the snow. I mean, probably more on the road during the winter, if anything. <clears throat> you know, nowadays they have these uh, these fat bikes that are getting really, really big. And, and I've seen those tires are huge, snow. yeah. Yeah, they're pretty cool. I just watched a race this last weekend, and it's, it's taken off, but I didn't really have that back then, so it was just kind of navigating the slush in the, in the dirty roads in the wintertime. <laughs> that is dedication, and not a lot of teenagers have it, so kudos on you. So clearly... You've always had a drive for achievement and when you set your mind to something. Um, but can you kind of fill in the gaps between like starting as a teenager, obviously you've got a full-time gig and are you leaning towards, uh, you know, being a writer, you've got a business, fill the listeners into what you're doing today. Yeah. So today I'm, I'm, I'm a coach. I'm still an elite athlete. Uh, I just wrote my first book, which has done well so far. And, um, you know, my, my passion is really kind of charting out people's lives in, in a pattern that makes sense. And that was kind of what my book was about. And it, it, it's just a simple, approachable way to take on really any type of task or, or goal or project that you have in life. And um, really, the reason I guess I start with my mountain bike racing is because that was really the foundation, learning that it's it's consistency over time, you know, that creates the results. It doesn't all happen overnight. And that was kind of the platform for my life and ultimately for the book. And so that's what I do now is I kind of help people do the same thing. I help them chart out whatever area they want in their life. And we, we kind of strategically go and get it. Awesome. So let's jump into the book. So the title of the book is the switchback approach. Can you explain a little bit about, and, and I'm not sure if maybe you've got a, a story behind where the title came from, or if you want to explain the story first, I'm going to let you run with it, but I'm really curious, like, what does that mean? Where did that come from? Sure. So for, for those that are not familiar with what a switchback is, um, it, it's kind of that zigzag pattern that you might see up the side of a mountain. And whether it's a road or whether it's a trail, it's 
it's zigzagging up the mountain in more of a gentle manner versus trying to go straight up and kill yourself. So I, I did. I had a real epiphany one day, and you know, I've been riding on switchback trails for years in the beautiful mountains of Utah. But one day I was in Park City, and I went from kind of the base of the ski resort up to the top of the mountain and it was a pretty decent elevation gain and you know the top was just this amazing view and I I sat there enjoying the view for just a few minutes and and caught my breath and I realized that you know I could come up you know three or four thousand feet maybe in you know 90 minutes and it wasn't super hard yeah it was effort but it wasn't super hard and it was just because I had really gently kind of zigzagged up the mountain through switchbacks and so that kind of hit me I said you know this this should be everyone's approach for life because um, you can try to go straight up the mountain and and kill yourself and and maybe burn out or run out of breath or or fall (laughs) or you could just take more of a gradual approach and at the end of the day you're still going to get to the top and you're going to reach the destination and enjoy the view so that's kind of the backstory on it. I love that. It's funny. I remember going with my family. <laughs> this was a trek. We went to Lake Powell, and but we flew to Arizona, and then we rented a car and and drove from Arizona. And going through some of those mountains, there was a lot of switchbacks. So it's like as you as soon as you said that, I remembered um, dealing with that. And I have to tell you, Brock, I love that philosophy because. <laughs> A lot of what you see, especially in the online space, and I had a podcast rant about, I'm so sick and tired of hearing people just do the effing work and, uh, you know, and it's like, (laughs) (laughs) I've just, have you seen that Shia LaBeouf video where he's like, just do it. Have you seen that? I don't think so. Okay. Go to YouTube. He's kind of a crazy (laughs) nut. He's just, just and that's all he does he just screams just do it like a million times <laughs> and you know for me I, I you know it's at this point in my life too I'm like if I'm inspired and I'm working in, in the right space like a 15 hour day can feel like a three hour day and then if I'm pushing yes. the pushing for three hours could feel like two weeks sometimes you know what I mean that's right so okay yeah, so then how do you true. apply that especially you know let me ask you this because I obviously want to hear those stories but in applying that you started I'm guessing applying this with people you were coaching and working and do you have any examples of you know maybe a client you've worked with and where they were struggling and how you shifted that by using the switchback approach yeah so I think I think we're very very hard on ourselves as as human beings to start and it's it's sad because you know we're in a culture obviously where we compare ourselves to everything we look on facebook and if our life doesn't look perfect we we get depressed and you know we think that people have everything going on and and we don't sometimes and and we're kind of miserable and the quote-unquote successful people will tell you that to get anywhere in life you have to work your butt off and uh you know grind it out for 40 years and and work super long hours and I just don't agree with that philosophy and I've, I've read most, you know, top personal development books and business books and I just don't agree with it hundred percent. And the reason why is because I think, I think oftentimes people can get all hyped up. They can get all motivated. They can have someone yelling, you know, just do it or whatever <laughs> in their ear. And eventually what happens, they, they burn out or they quote unquote fall down and, they kind of get discouraged from maybe starting that business that they've always wanted to do or, you know, to get the body that they've always wanted or to take the adventurous trip that they've always wanted because, you know, they're, they're scared. And so 
when I work with people, I really like to start off by just acknowledging what they're already doing well. And everybody's already doing something well. And, you know, we're already, well, also, you know, admit that we're not doing other things well, but kind of focusing on the principle of adding the good in is something I really try to do. And, you know, I had this, I had this gentleman I was working with named Mark and, you know, he came to me and he kind of wanted to lose some weight. He wanted to get more fit. He was also a cyclist. And, um, you know, he said he kind of just would fall apart in the afternoon. You know, when he was tired, he would, you know, go to the vending machine. He would eat like crap and, you know, he'd drink the sodas. And, you know, over many, many years, he, you know, put on an extra 30 pounds that he didn't want. So rather than me coming in and yelling at him to just, you know, eliminate the vending machine or, you know, that he was a horrible eater and, and you know, condemn him, we started focusing on, on what we could add in. And so, you know, it began with a gallon of water a day. And he's like, holy crap, man, how, how do you expect me, me to drink a gallon of water? You know, I'm going to drown here. <laughs> and he, you know, but he, but he found that he could do it. And what he found was when he added in water, he was, he felt more full and he didn't have the cravings and he actually didn't need as much caffeine as he thought. And so, you know, I applauded him and, and gave him a pat on the back for the water. And then from there we added in more good stuff. We added in fruits and vegetables and, you know, uh, different dishes that he could get excited about and so that whole principle is maybe just one example of kind of adding the good in and not focusing on on so much of the bad of what you're doing oh my god i swear i, I feel like where have you been my whole life <laughs> well just that philosophy you know there's a lot of there's a lot of entrepreneurs and coaches out there that you know i find myself I know for me, there gets to be this like, oh my God, it's not enough. I'm never doing enough. I feel like it's never enough. And by looking at what's, what's working and you know, when you talk about health, like I have fallen in love with juicing and like green juice too. And, and I was not a big veggie eater, but there, like I find now my body can't handle the crap <laughs> the way it used to. And yeah. I will crave a juice. Like I hate dinner time because I hate cooking and I'm like, well, I'm going to go at least make a juice or I'll make a smoothie with the juice. Right. And so, yeah, I know that inevitably I'm putting something good into my body. Everything else might not be perfect or look the way it is, but I know that I'm adding to my life by putting that juice in. Absolutely. Oh my and, God. And I love that, Cam. And if that was, if that was the only thing you did all day, which, you know, for some people, and I have those days that, you know, that juice or smoothie in the morning is all you can accomplish. You should still be proud of yourself for doing that. Thank you. You, I, 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 why don't more coaches do this? Anyways, I'm. I feel like I'm going to go on a rant in a minute, but it's just. It's. It sounds like a. Um, I, I, I'm going to have to start pitching you <laughs> as a coach because simply listening to this, there are so many things out there that that drive you need to go. Like coaches will come in and it's like, well, let's fix everything you're doing wrong. And I love your approach. Um, but I do want to talk about the book. <laughs> so we sure. know what a switchback is. So what, where did you get the idea for a novel about goals? Well, I, I, I got to give credit where it's due. I love the book, The Alchemist. I love Paolo Coelho. I, I, I loved the format of the way The Alchemist was written because I felt like it was a story that we all probably can relate to in, in some respects. And we saw ourselves in the, in, in either the main character or various characters. And I loved how it kept my attention, but how I also learned these critical life lessons. And I've since read a couple of other books. I, I really like Robin Sharma's books. And 
after reading a, a few of those, I, I don't know. I was I was on a lot of airplanes at the time traveling, and you know I would just pull out my laptop, and the story kind of formed and uh, took shape. So, can you give the listeners sort of a you know you don't have to read off the back of the book, but what is the story about? Sure. So it's a fictional character. His name is River, and he's a bike courier in busy downtown Washington D.C. And if you've ever been in downtown D.C., you'll see that. You know, some of these guys are crazy. Maybe maybe not as crazy as, as New York City, but they're still pretty crazy, and there's a lot of traffic, and they're weaving in and out. Well, one day he gets in an accident, uh, just about dies, and, you know, after coming out of the hospital, he kind of wanders into this local uh, vegetarian restaurant place that he enjoys, and, and the owner is the wise yogi guy from India. <laughs> and he can tell that River's kind of down on his luck, and, and he's trying to figure out what to do with his life, and he just encourages River to really kind of, you know, create a new life for himself. And so he sells everything that he owns pretty much. He buys an old car and he drives across the country. And, you know, he takes his time and he kind of develops these new habits that are more enriching to his life, you know, like watching sunsets, for example, and just starting to kind of journal and reflect. And ultimately, by mistake, he gets lost in a, in a storm and ends up in this little town called Victor, Idaho. And if you've never heard of that, it's okay. Uh, it's, about, it's, about, it's about 30 miles from Jackson Hole, Wyoming, okay. near the Grand Tetons and all that stuff. So really a beautiful place. And it's in this town that he lands that he starts to notice something unique with the people. And he meets this teacher who's another, uh, well, he's a, he's a local business owner and a professional athlete. And he teaches him about the switchback approach. And it's just this philosophy of how to live your life and how to get what you want and uh, you know he kind of takes River on this journey and they they learn the approach and it kind of follows his uh, transformation throughout the book. Oh my god so I, I'm going to just I just decided as you were sharing the story that I want um, anybody listening to this you guys after you've listened to the full podcast interview and I'm sorry I'm, I feel like I'm interrupting with a commercial break but it's not <laughs> but I, I, I want to I'm going to get 10 hard copies. I'm going to, I'm going to buy them, Brock, but I'm going to get 10 hard copies so that we can give them away to listeners. I mean, this is how much the story is just touching me. Um, and your approach to everything. So you guys, if you're listening and just go to the post and, uh, the first 10 people to comment on the post, you're going to get, I will mail you a copy of Brock's book. So that just got me excited because I want as many people to read this as possible. Awesome. Awesome. Um, okay. So, you know, in applying this approach to life, which the story sounds phenomenal, and let's tell everybody too, the book literally just came out, right? Yeah, it just launched, uh, well, two days ago. So two days ago from recording. So depending on when you're listening to this, right. um, yeah, this is mid-December. We're, we're doing this interview and the interview should go live fairly shortly thereafter. Um, so what has this been like for you, writing a book and launching it? So you've got a coaching practice and you're an avid mountain biker. Um, but so what has this been like for you writing a book and, and getting your message out into the world as an author? It's been really cool. I, I always had a dream as a kid to eventually write a book. I didn't know what about, but you know, even in high school, I was, I was kind of a reclusive kid. I'd go off into the mountains and write poetry and short stories. And I just always loved writing. And I really sincerely don't consider myself the, the best writer um, and in fact, I have to give so much credit to my wife, Kathleen, because she was my editor on the book. And, you know, the, the editing is, is 
tough work of writing a book and she kind of took it to the next level. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's really cool. And, you know, I, I do believe in coaching. I don't, I don't just tell people to get a coach and I, I have coaches myself. I've had cycling coaches and relationship coaches and business coaches. And so when I was, you know, going to finally get serious about, you know, publishing and getting the book out, I got a coach for that too. And so, um, my friend and, and mentor Joshua's helped me with that. Kim, you know, Joshua well, and he did a great job and just kind of took me through the whole process. And, uh, you know, now that it is out and, and now a number one bestseller we're it's, it's crazy. And I'm just grateful. And, you know, I, I hope that the book touches as many people as possible. So. Well, I think it's going to, I, I just, I'm like, if I have anything to say about it and you guys, I'm not getting paid for any of this. Um, I, I, well, you know, I just, I truly brought, I'm really, um, it's really struck a nerve in me. I, I love your approach to this. So, so how does that, you know, in terms of coaching, you know, we've got a lot of online entrepreneurs that listen to this show and how did you get into, to doing, you know, to creating a coaching practice and working with people? Because again, I think there is this, it feels very elusive when you're starting. And I think coaching sounds intangible, even though, um, you know, it is very tangible when you're working through it. How did you start that practice? I kind of started more just on the nutrition and fitness side, but you know, we're, we're expanding that and, and kind of just doing all areas of life. And, you know, some people might think that, um, I'm not, you know, niching down enough or whatever, but I, I just, I feel like just this philosophy and this approach can help people in so many different areas of life. And so, you know, really what we're going to do is just create a community of people that can support each other. We're going to be doing some really unique retreats um, and different things like that. And, and I'm actually more excited about the retreats than <laughs> the actual coaching part because I think it's it's often when we when we get outside of, of the box or get outside of our house or our office and, you know, oftentimes in nature, and that's where the breakthroughs come. It's, it's when we're relaxed and when we're not stressing or thinking about the messages we have on our inbox where clarity starts to come. And so I want to just facilitate that transformation for, for a lot of people. And, you know, we've got some special stuff planned for that. So, which, you know, as you're saying that, it's funny because I, I joke and I joke, you know, during the summer, it's like, I'm off the computer by two. I've got a pool. I'm like, I just like to swim and float and read and be outside. Um, <laughs> and I find that, but you know, it's this never having like feeling like anything's enough or working hard enough. But yet I find when I step away from what I'm doing, I can come back and get like 10 times more done. Oh, it's so true. Yeah, it's so true. And if, if I can add this, Kim, you know, I, I think the whole 40 hour work week is, is ridiculous. I think it's, I think it's crazy. And I think it burns people out and, um, you know, to, to actually just focus more on, on productivity versus people sitting there at their cubicle is, is, uh, is the direction I think we need to go. Well, you know, absolutely. And not to mention, you know, you look at the increase, well, I should say the decline in our health as a culture, because yeah. we're at the, like, I know for myself, you know, I bought a, um, a Vera desk that sits on my desk so I can raise it so I can stand. Cause I went oh, from cool. <laughs> being in retail management. I would walk 11, 12,000 steps a day easy and, right. and physically do a ton of stuff. And then to doing this and I'm like, my body's totally feeling. I'm like, I cannot do this anymore. Um, right. You know, and, and I think too, like setting that example, I look at other countries that are doing stuff with schools and stuff and kids are starting school later and they're playing more. And it's like, 
God, this this achievement drive. It's like I feel like I get so much more done with those breaks. Yeah, it, it's very true. Very so, true. So you know, when you work with people, you know, if you don't mind me digging a little bit, because I think this is all relative, hopefully to the book. Um, sure. Is you know this this adding in philosophy. You know, like if someone, whether they were to work with you, or is there an approach that that you take, or a, a few tips that you could give people to starting to add something in, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And even even though the book doesn't feature this this process that I'm about to share, you know, this is this is really kind of what I've gathered in terms of this being the four step process to the switchback approach. So, you know, we can dive into it here. The first the first step is really just figuring out what you want, and that seems really really simple, but most people honestly don't know what they want, and. I'm a huge believer in the law of attraction and, you know, getting our energy to the level of where we can, can really focus in and, and bring what we want to us. And, you know, it, it's really, it's the most difficult step for some people, but it, it really shouldn't be. And it can be the most fun step and just kind of sitting down and, and really figuring out exactly what we want out of life. So that's, that's number one. You want me to keep going? Oh, my God. Yeah, no. I was like sitting on the edge of my seat. I'm like, what's number two? No, and I'm just, I'm sitting, you know, yeah, and I believe in all that stuff too. too No, 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 no. I'm like, this is, this is all about you. I love it. Sorry. I was like, okay, what's number two? Cool. So um, the second one is what I call taking stupid small steps. And when I say stupid small, that's just basically a representation of, you know, not overdoing it. So I'll give you a great example. There's so many people that I know come, come, Hey, in a, in a few weeks in January, you know, the gyms will be crowded again. They always are. And you know, people will be psyched up. Oh, I'm going to run a marathon this year. I'm going to do this. And let's, let's pretend that they haven't run in two years. So <laughs> instead of going out and killing themselves, you know, their, their first day and trying to run eight to 10 miles, <laughs> you know, why don't we start by, by running around the block or why don't we start by running, um, for 15 minutes, you know, something very, very gentle would be more ideal. (laughs) Yeah. Or just walking and something that literally they're going to stop doing and say, Oh my God, I could have probably done a little bit more, but that's the idea. We want them to do more, you know, the next day and, and continue those habits of consistency. So, um, from there, basically the next step is just having fun. (laughs) <laughs> that's number three is have fun. And anyone that knows me knows that I, I love to have fun and I, I love to try to implement fun in everything I do. And I, I you know, I, I feel like I'm, I share the same DNA as Richard Branson. If, it, if it's not a business project that doesn't interest me within five or I'm do it. And it's the same, same with life. And so let's go back to our workout example. Let's say here, somebody's trying to get in shape. And, you know, they think, oh, all right, fine. I'll just, I'll get the gym membership. I'll go to the gym. And like a robot that's been conditioned just by society, they just start running on the treadmill. Well, what if they don't like running on the treadmill? <laughs> you know, um, Some people do, but I, I don't. And, you know, let's find some activities, not just, you know, I, not just specific workouts, but any kind of physical activity that they really love and enjoy and that they can actually wake up and be excited about. So everyone's different. You know, maybe, maybe you swam in high school and you, you loved swimming, but you know, you want to get back to that. So let's look at swimming or maybe it's just gardening or maybe it's dancing 
or, you know, maybe it's just, you know, standing, standing in your living room and dancing with your kids, you know, any kind of physical activity that you love and you can get into, you know, I always would encourage people to focus on first versus just, Hey, I'm going to be a robot. I'm going to go to the treadmill and I hate my life. And tomorrow there's no way in hell I'm going to get back on the treadmill because I hate it. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm sitting here like, holy moly, because I did the same thing. It's like where I get bored with things. And then it just, it feels like the last thing I need in my life is something else I have to do. <laughs> and I actually yeah. like to work out. So, you know, it's like, and I'll make myself like, just go throw the tennis ball with the dogs for like 20 minutes. Just get outside and then you're going to want to move. I actually bought a heavy bag. So I'm like, I want to play a little bit. <laughs> I actually did a manifesto, Brock, and, and I did a video to this PowerPoint. And the first slide was if it's not fun, I'm not doing it. So you are yeah. just preaching to me. <laughs> yeah. It has to be fun. Absolutely. Oh my God. Okay. What's step number four? So the last step is just continue to take those steps until it becomes a habit. And that's really, you know, where the, the transformation takes place. And, you know, I hear all these different studies of different time periods of how long it takes to really develop a habit. Some people say 21 days, some people say 30 days, some say 40, but, you know, just doing those small steps every day in whatever area of your life until it becomes natural, um, that's where we want to get. And so you're, you know, you figured out what you want, you're taking the small steps, you're having fun along the way, and uh, eventually those will turn into habits. And, you know, habits are pretty powerful. I I always tell people that, uh, you know, choose your habits wisely because when when the crap hits the fan those habits are the things that are going to carry you through and so um it it makes sense to (laughs) figure out the habits that we want because you know challenges and will come and the universe will test us and uh the habits are, are very very powerful so that's the approach and you just keep doing that and sometimes you fall back a little bit on the mountain and you know you you get up and you might have to start stupid small again, but eventually you just continue up the mountain and you're going to get there. I love this, especially at this time of year, because I'm watching a lot of entrepreneurs. You know, I always do like a year in review or a year in post and you have, um, there are some bloggers and stuff that do this, you know, you're 2016 and goal planning and stuff. And to me, one thing that I've learned more than anything is that I kind of need to do things my own, not kind of, I have to do things my own way. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if I feel like I have to do something, I'm, I'm going to go under resistance. And so if someone's going to give me this big plan with goals and stuff, and it feels like I've got a part-time job now, I love, <laughs> love, love, love your approach, Brock, because it's, you're taking what works for each individual and, and, and helping them figure out what works and sticking with it. It sounds so yeah. ridiculously obvious when you hear it. Yeah. 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 People try to overcomplicate it. And at the end of the day, it's just, it's not that complicated. It's just a matter of, of, of doing it, you know? Yeah. And again, when you're starting, like I use the terminology like baby steps, you know, and I talk a lot about being vulnerable and stepping into that because I do think with marketing today, people are looking for stories and connections with people. And which is another reason I adore this book is there is this story. I'm also a huge fan of the alchemist and the story piece of it. It, it, first of all, it makes learning something and taking some information that's going to be valuable, makes it fun. Um, you know, but people want that connection, right? And so I always talk about baby stepping into it. It was like I went from sharing maybe a little bit to now I'm like, oh, I don't care. Now I can share whatever. But you have to step slowly into all of these things. So 
Holy moly. Do you have any other fun client stories or people you've worked with that you'd like to share? Kind of threw you under the, on the spot there. So, <laughs> No, that's fine. Um, I mean, most, most of my, most of my people that I've really worked with on, on a personal level are, are more in that health and fitness arena. And, you know, I, I think all of them would just say the same thing. You know, it's, it's making it fun. Uh, it's, 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 you know, oftentimes getting other people involved can, can be a huge tip too. You know, if, if you're going to start a running routine, we keep going back to running. I don't know why, but <laughs> if you're going to start a running routine, you know, one way to make it fun, one way to, to throw in that step three there would, would be, you know, get a friend. And I'll tell you, it's a lot easier to get up if you know your, your friend is sitting under the streetlight at five in the morning waiting for you, you know, absolutely. <laughs> like, they're going to kill me if I don't show up. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I, I've done that with, I've done that with buddies and, you know, we'll meet in the mountains when it's freezing cold in the morning, but I'm like, I have to show up. They're already there. They're going to think I'm weak, you know? <laughs> so Totally. Just, my, you know, I was just going to say my project, ma- my project manager loves, we've, there's a great trail out here to hike. And so it's like, I, I enjoy hiking. It's not necessarily my first choice, but at the same time, like I'll get it done and it's, it's a beautiful trail and it's just nice to mix it up. And so there are times I'm like, I will message her and say, Hey, let's go for a hike Saturday. And I have to go, you know, and then of course I enjoy it and love the conversation. Um, but I, it's sometimes it's that change routine, but like you said, making it fun and doing it with somebody else. Yeah. I love that. And you just said something, Kim, that sparked something in me. That's a key lesson in the book. And that is mixing it up and to not only mix up your, your health and fitness routine, but, but I think everything is, is required to, you know, keep things fun. So I know for me right now, it's kind of the, the off season for cycling. And I, I actually really enjoy mixing it up. I just barely finished, uh, cross country skiing. I, I do downhill skiing. I'll run a little bit. So you're you kind of lazy. Hikes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, have I gained a few pounds? Yes. The holidays are approaching. A few too many baked goods. But, um, you know, you have to mix it up. And I think it's healthy to have those ebbs and flows because what happens if you don't, you burn out. And, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of cyclists in my, my sport do burn out because they, they haven't taken a break. And so, again, it just goes back to being gentle with ourselves mixing it up, finding two or three specific activities that, that we like, that we can kind of rotate to, and uh, you'd be good to go if you do that. You know, it totally made me think of, and, and, and I hope you take this as a compliment and not just me being goofy, um, but it's like the Karate Kid, like Mr. Miyagi had him do all these different things, right? <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it's kind of like, there, or, or you look at, you know, say, you know, athletes who, you know, say, say like take a professional football player who will then go study ballet or yoga or something and they're off and, and how mixing it up and, and it, one, I would think it helps your body too, right? Not to be doing Definitely. the same things over and over and over again. And I am not a fitness expert or anything. Um, but yeah, the mixing it up. And you know, what struck a nerve with me with what you just said is the ebbs and flows because often, you know, I actually, um, in, in that rant about do the effing work, there's a guy that um, I'm friends with and, you know, he is just all over that and I adore him, but I had to stop. I had to hide his posts in my feed because it, mm-hmm. it felt like I was getting beat up and like nothing. And cause you don't hear about his, 
I take a break or I have bad days or, you know, like I love, I love to nap. I really do. And there are times where I take a couple naps a week and then there could be three weeks where I don't feel like I need to take a nap. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's that ebb and flow. And so, you know, do you have any processes for yourself when you're in the dip or you're in the down? And I don't mean so much just the seasonally, but you know, when it hits you emotionally or on a mental level. Yeah, and you nailed it, Kim. I love naps. <laughs> I really do. I think I think the the South American and Hispanic and you know those cultures have it down by taking siestas. I, I think we're you know we're missing the boat there. I was born in the wrong country, I guess. But um, I, I honestly I view naps as something everyone should take, and it shouldn't be viewed as a sign of laziness. It should be viewed as a sign of being smart because you're refreshing your body and your mind. And I mean, every single day I have, I I mean, I'm not some like Superman that has, you know, abundant energy flowing and brimming every second of the day. Like I have, I have times where I get exhausted and we all feel we've been at our computer or our desk and the creativity switch just got shut off. (laughs) And now you're just, you're blocked and you're, you're not doing your you're not doing your best work. And, you know, we, we get sloppy and we start to get annoyed and we argue with our spouse or yell at our kids. You know, this, this all happens generally because I think our minds get tired. And so I, I love naps and and I'm a, I'm a huge believer of just going on YouTube. There's, there's like all these great, you know, 20 minute, 30 minute, 45 minute nap, you know, guided things that they'll just knock you right out. And, um, you know, do it and, and, you know, work it in because you'll be more productive and it's, it's fun to jump up and actually feel refreshed and it it doesn't have to be, you know, do I do caffeine? Yeah, I do caffeine, but it it doesn't have to always be about two more cups of coffee or, or the energy drink. It can be about a nap and probably more healthy and you jump back and have more energy. I could not agree more. And, you know, I've got some friends, too, where they they work together, uh, a gal and a guy, and they're um, partners in business and in life. And she's like, oh, my gosh, we love napping every day. And Joe took two naps today. (laughs) And it's so fantastic. And I I think as entrepreneurs, too, you know, we create our lives in a way that work for us. And, you know, I've got one kid in college, one's a freshman in high school. They're not super needy at this point. So it's like, it's, yeah. it's totally fine for me to then hop on my laptop if I'm feeling inspired or I want to write or I want to do something in the evening. It's, you know, like I get to create the life that I want. And, and I think we forget that when you get caught up in this constant striving, you know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of saying, what is going to, I, I don't know, like, how do I thrive? And for me, it's napping and resting and, and doing things that restore my body and soul. <laughs> yeah, absolutely true. So what's coming? So tell me a little bit about the retreats because those sound super fascinating. Although if you're going to be like mountain biking for days. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we won't be. And I'm going to do different types of retreats and stuff. And we'll do some stuff that's specific to like ultra endurance athletes. But we're going to do a lot of just, you know, regular kind of chill out, find your passion, find your purpose type of retreats, get refreshed. And what I'm actually really excited about, and, and, and I've, I've been to a lot of retreats. I've, I've been to a lot of different seminars. I've, I've probably been, well, you don't even want to know how many seminars I've, I've been to or been a part of. And it's sometimes just necessary to get out of the stuffy hotel room. 
and the ballroom in the hotel. And, um, while I've had like amazing transformative experience in those, in those ballrooms, uh, again, like I said, I, I get inspired outside. I, I, I get inspired and healed at the ocean. I get inspired and healed in the mountains and that's where we're going to take people. So instead of just, you know, saying, Hey, we're going to have a three day retreat and we're going to jam pack the itinerary with an exhausting schedule. What I'm going to be doing is, there's not going to be really that many activities. There's going to be space and there's going to be time to take a nap or time to get out and just take a walk or time to, you know, talk with your spouse or your business partner. And really, you know, I, again, as much as I love seminars, you know, we get so much information dumped on us that we go into overwhelm mode and that doesn't serve us. And so, you know, we'll do a couple of, of really, you know, special things and, you know, fireside chats and, you know, a couple of key lectures and stuff. But a lot of it's just going to be about getting people into that space where their minds can stop, get away from the technology. And, and that's how I believe the transformation will really take place. I'm all, okay, is there a sales page up yet? <laughs> <laughs> Brock's Not like, yet. wow, <laughs> you didn't seem so sold on me in the first conversation. That's because I got to dig a little more. <laughs> Yeah, and I'll have I'll have the itinerary of what we're looking at this next year out. It's actually not even up yet; it's still in formation. So stay tuned. We'll have that on my website, though. But it, it'll be really cool. All right, everybody. So just first of all, just make sure go subscribe again. I'll have all the links and and get the book. Obviously, unless you're smart enough um, to leave a comment and get one of the first ten books um, that I've got. But the um, I will make sure Brock, if just keep me in the loop to share that as well. And I cannot begin to tell you, I swear to God, I, I, I feel like everything you tell me, I'm just like, where have you been my whole life? <laughs> because, you know, I'm in, the, I'm in uh, Joshua and I actually connected through a mutual mastermind that I'm still in and I adore those people. And, but you know, we do, we do these uh, three times a year we get together and I come home so tired, Brock, because it's literally like, you know, nine to five and then we go out to dinner and then we have an adventure day. And if the adventure is in the afternoon, we'll do like a morning adventure and then an afternoon adventure. And then we've got dinner and then we've got meetings again the next day. I'm like, I need some time somewhere, you know, and what's, what's challenging about that is that we don't have time to connect. It's like the adventure's fun, but I want time to just sit and chat with my fellow mastermind members, you know, and, and connect and see how we can support each other or, or just kind of catch up even. And, yeah, and exactly. it is, it's a little bit overwhelming. And I get like going to a conference or a seminar where you're like, okay, but I usually tag on, I get there the day before. And if it's a place I want to see something, I'll tag on a day or two after because I'll try to squeeze in a massage. <laughs> I'm like, I, yeah. I cannot have this be so intense and traveling in and of itself is tiring. It is. God, that's fantastic. Absolutely. Where are your retreats going to be? Um, initially, we're going to just do them kind of in the western U.S., but um, you know, my wife is from New York. We, we might look to do something out there eventually. Not not right in the city, probably a little more upstate because there's some beautiful mountains and, and places. And, you know, eventually I want to have these kind of all over the world where we do some cool stuff in Europe and around the globe. So that is stay awesome. Tuned. I will totally stay tuned. I'm like, I'm on the West Coast. So, and yeah, <laughs> having been able to visit Utah for the first time, it is so beautiful. Um, but yeah, that is fantastic. God, Brock, I am so excited that, that Joshua connected us. Um, and I cannot wait to support. Well, hopefully this is supporting and, and get the book in as many people's hands as possible. Absolutely. Yeah, Congratulations. Really Thanks so much. Yeah. So do you think you've got another book in you? 
Yeah, I'm already working on the second book right now. So I hopefully I get this one done a little faster. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got the process down now, right? Yeah, the, the second one I've, I've heard is, is easier, and, and so far it seems to be. Wow, that's awesome. And, you know, I actually told Joshua, um, I'm like, I think there's a book in me, and that may be part of my next year as well, 2016, I think. Um, there's something about knowing you've got a message in you, um, and you want to get it out and put it in as many hands as possible. And, um, you know, I actually spent like 10 years in the book industry, so I'm an avid book. Oh, wow. Store. Yeah. <laughs> store. Okay. I was in retail, but opened and the district manager opened a lot of bookstores um so yeah i did it for a long time i you know i'm always reading like five or six books at a time which i don't know how helpful that is but i just go with what <laughs> i just kind of go with what inspires me you know sometimes it's spiritual yeah. or business then i'm like you need a novel girl it's time to check out <laughs> yeah totally 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 <laughs> my god brock thank you so much this has been fabulous Hey, well, awesome, awesome to be here. And, and Kim, you definitely should write that book because, you know, you've got an amazing message yourself. And I know you have a, a loyal following and anything I can do to help, uh, be happy to get behind. Do you see what I mean? Holy, <laughs> you guys, I love this book. I have since read the book since interviewing Brock and just what an amazing guy. And I so love this idea of adding something in as opposed to taking something away, right? Anyways, like I mentioned in the, the show, the first 10 people to comment will get a free copy of the book from me. I've already got it. It's sitting on my shelf. So the first 10 people to leave a comment in the post, I'm going to send you a copy of the book. So be sure to head over and leave a comment on the post and everybody that comments afterwards. Um, I have something else for you, but it's going to have to be a surprise, but I will send it via mail. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Anyways, as always, guys, thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you feel inclined, I'd love a review in iTunes. And Happy New Year. I hope everyone had a fantastic holiday. And uh, here's to an awesome 2016.